0: I'm in the on the bizarre.
1: Park. parking, post-tapping, <laughs> mate, me hands are mucking. Bloody hell, look at come where you are. Heads <laughs> round me hands, innit, come with in, him, look at me nails, oh, hey, you can tell you what,
0: I'll get some, uh, I'll get a bit of, the old swarf figure Oh, mate, uh, yeah, got the orange stuff, that's <laughs> a <bit. laughs>
1: <laughs> How come you got some hooky? I've been gardening haven't I? My little, my little project oh, he's coming on grand, my friend. It must be like magic beans or something that's shooting up. Oh, I've got lovely. like a mysterious package through post a bit ago. What? Uh, loads of magic beans or something. I planted them. What? The proper growing hardcore oh, dude. You should see him. I don't know what the fuck oh, they are. Oh, you
0: shouldn't be meddling
1: with stuff like that. Who we'll sent you him? I don't know. I just kind of came through post. Oh, no. Why? What's up?
0: Well, yeah, you don't know what it is, you're meddling with science, are you? <laughs> it's oh, a ball.
1: We thought there might be magic beans. Yeah, what's that?
0: Hang about. I can hear a knocking at the door.
1: Well, it ain't dolphins, is it? They've been, been oh. behaving all week. I'll just go see who it is. I'll yeah. open the door. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, oh, oh, no! <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, my no, no, no. God. Are they fucking Triffids or what? What the fuck were they? They were Triffids! Oh my God, what well, about salt water? Shall we hose them down with salt water? That's what happened in the movie. Oh, I don't know. i might just leave them for now, we'll see what yeah. happens. Yeah, I'm not going back out there. Oh, <laughs> screw that game. Yeah, that's not good, is it? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. What's happening to this island, dude? It's but
0: chaos at the moment. <laughs> oh, I'm going to need to sit down anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, screw all that malarkey. I'll get Kel and you have a seat. Oh, I'll bloody hell. get washed up. Well, I think for now, what we need to do is introduce ourselves. I'm Benny. And I'm Matt. And this is Cracking Cove, the podcast that shines a beacon onto the bizarre. <laughs> the bizarre t- out there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I can see of those green tendrils coming over glass, haven't anyway. suckers and everything. Oh, my
1: God. God, that's no bloody the good, The big though are I'm pretty proud of them boys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah,
1: it's not... They'd be great for anyone, then
0: that's the idea it could be That could be weaponised <laughs> um, so you could have got yourself right in the shit now mm, couldn't have affected Ireland really couldn't it well what we need to do now we need to cast a light out and see if we can shine any get any information shine yeah, a light on it uh, yeah baby. let's have a look see what we can see <laughs> Right, so I've cast my light out, and this is what I've come up with. Ooh. Right, so this is a story from the Daily Mirror, right, by Lucy Scolding. <laughs> Ooh, that's <laughs> a good one, isn't it? I <laughs> and it? And the headline is, Warning over mystery packets of seed being sent across the world from China.
1: Whoa, freebies are a little bit suspicious, is Well, isn't this? that's
0: the thing, so we better find out here. So people around the globe are receiving strange packets of seeds in the post without any explanation as to who they come from or why they've been sent all that is known is that parcels come from china and people in the us and uk have reported receiving them totally out of the blue If you've received one of these weird parcels or know someone who has, you may be wondering what the seeds are and if it's safe to plant them, our kids. Oh, (laughs) dear. I'm a sucker for a freebie, though. Oh, man. God knows I didn't see a bloody dildo in birth. (laughs) 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 There's no explanation as to why people are getting these packages, but they usually have Chinese writing on and are labelled as containing jewellery possibly to avoid security checks. So, all 50 states of the US have sent out warnings against them in case they're dangerous. The problem has been quite prolific, with 630 reports in Florida alone. Oh God. Jesus wept. I mean, this is like genetic warfare. Oh, could be anything, um, you know?
1: It could be anything, though, couldn't it? Like you say, if you open it up, it's like some... What were the other doing before? Oh, you know? oh, oh, the sarin, was it?
0: Or anthrax. Yeah. Anthrax, that kind of thing, you know. Um, but I mean, it's like they're saying it could be um, 100 households in England so far have got them. They've turned up in places like Portugal. The US Department of Agriculture has warned against planting the seeds as they may include an invasive species that could threaten native plants. Oh my god. So that's absolutely weird. Just think of that, you know. And it's it's true. I mean, you should be planting stuff like that anyway because you know you do, again you don't know who could be invasive. I mean, it could be yeah, Japanese yeah. knotweed. I don't know if you've yeah. ever seen that stuff. Right, I don't know, but it doesn't yeah, sound right. Well, the worst one for me, the worst invasive plant, is the giant hogweed. Ugh. Right, and that can be as big as bloody halfway up the bloody lighthouse. That, oh my but God. it's mega toxic. So if you brush against it, what happens is your skin comes up. When I say big blisters, blisters as big as your fist. Oh, no. Filled with fluid. Uh. And the, when when it burps, the skin do not properly heal. Oh, so my, it's you, 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 you can have this super sensitive skin for years oh God. from that and they, they they came sort of like by accident people brought oh that's a nice decorative plant But will put herbaceous borders or somewhere like that <laughs> you know what I mean and before you know it you've got yourself a bloody invasion on your hands when
1: I went to Was, I remember and all, like, all these rules and stuff you need know, cat. bring yes. call all in the
0: really strict airport you can feel it as well but remember, remember when we were kids mm. it was always in post offices the adverts that you had to be frightened of there it was uh, rabies <laughs> yeah. and Colorado beetle <laughs> <laughs> alright no, don't. No, he was, yeah. Well, when I was a kid, that that were the two big posters that you had to be careful. And he terrified the shit out of me. What, well, do they say, like, squish one if you see one or something? No, if you see one, if you see one, like a Colorado beetle, this was back in the day, because the they uh, potato crops did Colorado beetles.
2: Right. But
0: because the pictures for rabies, the rabies <laughs> posters, <laughs> it was basically completely mental, out of control, dog on it, right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: red eye. <laughs> I'm going to see everything. if I can find, it, find a picture of <laughs> yeah. it now. right? <laughs>
0: Look at that Oh my God! Oh my, do, don't smuggle death! Oh, <laughs> right. So, so there's a picture now of the one of the old rabies posters. <laughs> <that he's sticking laughs> <up in laughs> and he's, what it basically is, it's a, it's a, a, a rabid dog a, attacking a small girl holding a doll. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> this girl
1: shielding herself is yeah. just gonna get mauled yeah. by this frothy dog. <laughs> oh God, that's. That, yeah that's going to scar you is that the one then is that the one you remember
0: yeah. oh there's another good one there it says um, oh, no, no, that's, that's Scarfort Council
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's unbelievable no,
0: no, no. Can, can I look at the fox one please yeah <laughs> i, I look at the fox one the fox
1: one looked at the
0: fox can transmit rabies <laughs> <laughs> look at this it, evil look oh, that, that's the Scarfort can it look <laughs> don't smuggle death keep babies out of Britain <laughs> devil shadow <laughs> <laughs> fuck's sake the UK's animal and plant health agency known as AFA mm. <laughs> <Catchy>. ha- <Yeah. laughs> have similarly warned against planting these unknown seeds so, speaking to the Guardian, Afa said, oh, I said he sounds like an agent, maybe just like a large entity. <laughs> <laughs> Afa says, biosecurity is of vital importance. And he says, no. <laughs> biosecurity is of vital importance and we have robust checks in place to protect our plants and wildlife, including for online plant sales. We are currently investigating packages of seeds marked as ear studs. All right. sent to people in the UK anyone who has received such seeds should not plant them instead report them to us <laughs> oh man it's getting scary, at yeah. this one, because with
1: all dodging that's happening in the world, Russia are really stepping the mind games up, yeah. are
0: Well, this is it. China, are they doing why that? Are they, why are they doing it? Yeah. i mean, say the packages may include herb seeds such as mint, rosemary, sage, and as well as seeds for hibiscus, roses, lavender, mustard and cabbage. But the thing is, hey, you, you think it's, but we don't know whether these have been bioengineered, been altered in yeah. some way, been messed with, we don't know. It's going to be
1: dark. Whatever it is, they're not doing it for a laugh, are they? And they're not doing it for free. That's like some yeah. structure
0: to it. It's going to be awful if they get planted yeah. <laughs> they've, they've worked it. They've worked with the Department of Homeland Security's Customs and Border Protection and suggested it may be part of a brushing scam. Brushing? Brushing scam? Yeah. Uh, it's when a business sends unsolicited products to people using a fake customer account, which then generates a transaction and allows them to put a positive review on their own website, therefore boosting business and growing the company. So, that's absolutely bizarre. It's like, like some weird eBay trick or something.
1: Like, you say they're just boosting the ratings on eBay... It's some mad no, no, no. sales voodoo that's going on, you know what I mean? I still won't trust them fucking seeds.
0: Well they were done now, we know what's what come of
1: them. <laughs> there might be I might be a tamer marking. Can I I'm, keep one? I'm gonna have to get a flamethrower or <laughs> something to get inside. We we can keep one, but then we'll see I'll see all rest of them i keep it chain like a chain chomp or something. Yeah.
2: Like <laughs> a <can> chain chomp. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I reckon we've got something that could actually uh, go up against our Triffid problem on hmm. the island. I think we, uh, if we got some of these recruits on board, I okay. think we'd be away. So, this is for the New York Post, it's by Yaron Steinbuck, and the story is. Baboons armed with knives and chainsaws spotted in the UK Safari Park! Oh what the <laughs> oh, So there's some real monkey business at a British safari park. Where a roving gang of baboons, <laughs> armed with knives, screwdrivers, and even a chainsaw, what? has been wreaking havoc and sowing fear, according to a report. Sowing fear. Ooh, honestly, Ooh. I'm
1: getting a bit scared of them now.
2: Like
0: Texas chicks are running after yeah. cows with it and that. imagine a chimp doing that? Oh, jeez. Oh, oh. Oh. Oh, this is baboons, and I'm frightened of baboons. I they? am, yeah, um, they're a scary-looking dog monkey. Male
1: baboon. Oh, yeah.
0: dog yeah, <laughs> <are laughs> the- <laughs> Those heads, those beaks they've got. Jesus. Oh, no. The prowling primates are known to have vandalised vehicles, ripping off windscreen wipers and mirrors from them... And mirrors from them at Nosley Safari Park in Merseyside. So the bloody scousers are all. Oh, Scouse baboon dogs! They'll do that even before the other (laughs) chainsaws and knives. Sorry, Liverpool. Would like you really. (laughs) But the baboons have recently been seen carrying an assortment of weapons, including (laughs) blades, (laughs) screwdrivers, and chips. That was Medishiv and stuff. Prison rules. Leading some workers to suspect that Visit have supplied them with the dangerous items for a thrill! <laughs> betting on a fight or something. Oh my god. So, oh. we're not sure if they are being given weapons by some guests who want to see them attack cars or if they're fishing them out of pickups and truck vans, right? A chainsaw, come
1: on, guys. you got to police your animals a bit better. Than you. Well, I think they're getting smuggled in. Jesus.
0: Yeah. They will literally go into people's toolboxes and carry them around. And um, as they say, one of the baboons was seen lugging around a chainsaw. Maybe they're doing like repairs. <laughs> um, now, the park officials are suggesting that Aunt Apes are an urban myth. Oh. But they're going to say that. Every time you've got a problem, keep yeah. it indoors. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, uh, we believe many of these stories have grown in exaggeration as they've been retold uh, with embellishments to make the objects that are sometimes found in the enclosure uh, seem more exciting and unbelievable. <laughs> So, what are you suggesting then? It, it just, it's not really chain, it's just an ordinary saw. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's,
1: it's, just a, it's just a steak knife. It wasn't a flick knife or a butterfly knife at all.
0: And it, the world were carrying screwdrivers, but they're taking part in essential maintenance.
1: <laughs> that tree had to get felled. I'd say, well, back in the day, and I were absolutely smoked off my weasel on the couch. And it was daytime. That's not, not like was, you. I know. And, and it was daytime. Back in the day, you could actually do it in daytime, wake and bake. I'll, 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 I'll put this movie on, and, you know, you're just like halfway through a movie, there was nothing else on TV. Back in the day, there were like five channels or something. Yeah. So I'm watching it, it's all innocent about this plane crashes on this island, and you know, you're innocent. And, <laughs> <laughs> but they've got these like these survivors on it. I can mean, try to piece together who's who, you know what I mean? But the kind of like the, the big dude who's a bit of a an anti-hero and it, it ends up with him just left, you know, the other ones I don't know what's happened to him but they've kinda of gone and he's just him on his own and he's in this kind like, natural looking amphitheatre. Yeah 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 and he's at the bottom of this and he must be having problem with baboons all the way through, sure, you know. What Baboon mean? bother. Exactly, and it comes to it where it's like boom, he's surrounded by boons, you know what, yeah. what I mean? They're all looking down at him. And that big boy comes down doesn't he you know, like the alpha boon uh. and he has to fight the fucking <laughs> alpha boon and I mean I'm watching and thinking wait a minute this is like 70s and they look proper real i think they yeah. are real and he, he looks like he's fighting a real baboon is <laughs> not he <laughs> and he ends up killing it, you know, with a rock or something. And then the last scene is just the other baboons just like sl- closing the ring on him and then he's just under the all oh. And I'm looking, like, God almighty that looks you know and like, mate, <laughs> <laughs> then you woke up on the couch and tell <you> him <enough. laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> like if anybody out there knows uh, what baboon
1: movie this is I've tried to find it if please someone tell me I'm not going mad it's going to be like that bloody badger again innit honey badger with ball yeah or it's <laughs> another of your little man
0: made me <laughs> please get back in touch someone must have seen that film yes uh, please send us an email at uh, podcast at gmail.com or on twitter at crackingcurve or on instagram at Pod. so if you know anything about this baboon murder <laughs> (laughs) Reach out to (laughs) a menu. The monkey enclosure is well known to mechanics in the northwest area of England, where the 550-acre park, which also houses uh, lions, tigers, rhinos, wildebeest and camels, is located. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) So he says, people know what's going to happen when they drive inside. I've had two customers this year who've been victims of those baboons, right? Either mate with a garage in St Helens and it's exactly the same. The kids start chirping up saying they want monkeys all over the car. (laughs) And the next thing you know, you're driving home with no registration plate. (laughs) Good money for us though, I'm not complaining. (laughs) That's a good way of looking at yeah, it. You sure. Yeah, true. <laughs> why would you bring
1: your car into them enclosures? I'm never going to do that, man. No I, I've done it once. Oh, yeah. Yeah, never again. Yes. <laughs> oh, no.
0: Just. <laughs> what is the idea you want to kind of baboon all of your car? No, you don't.
1: How does in? You just somehow got in. I'm <laughs> just like, oh. I'm not, I don't like
0: them odds, man. The here. idea of a baboon in your car. <laughs> you imagine that thing just kicking off <laughs> oh, with a screwdriver. Those teeth?
1: We? Yeah, with a <laughs> <laughs> screwdriver. <laughs> My kids watch. She'd hit oh fuck <laughs> he's stabbed up tell the kids tell the kids come with their eyes come with their
2: eyes Neil deGrasse from Bangalore Eggers Fair
0: so in times of crisis when you've got uh, when you got baboons on the rampage <laughs> and things, you know, and it's like, you know, you, you what do you need then? You need a bit of a hero, don't you? Yeah, you need somebody who's been tried like and an t- hero. you're like a hero, don't you, <laughs> Benny? So what you need is somebody who's been tried and tested. You want somebody who's basically won wars don't you wow yeah because if you're going up against baboons it's a war isn't it yeah yeah combat ready so was there ever a better tougher soldier than Churchill
1: mmm because he did see uh, action in first world war didn't he he did yeah and then he, he literally did did the do on the second controlled the
0: masses of wow. the war well it depends which Churchill you're on about <gasps> not the dog If you talk about (laughs) Mad Jack Churchill, then you'll be on to a right one here. (laughs) (laughs) Mad Jack Churchill. So he was John Malcolm Thorpe Fleming Churchill, was a British army officer who fought in the Second World War with a longbow and bagpipes and a Scottish broadsword. (gasps) Oh, wow. Nicknamed Fighting Jack Churchill, or just Mad Jack. He was (laughs) known for the motto any officer who goes into action without his sword is improperly dressed. Wow. So do you want a quick look at Mark yeah. Jack Churchill,
1: right? I hope he's about seven foot tall or it?
0: So I want you to just have a quick look at this picture, oh, That's him with sword, isn't <laughs> In the surf, jumping can, off a landing craft. And also, if you, if you think about it as well, he's a captain, right? Wow. He's leading from the front. Jesus. He's ready to take on the troops with nothing but a sword to start with. My right? God. So... He had like a pretty uh, pretty ordinary, well not an ordinary upbringing, I think he was part of a, a, like a colonial upbringing, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean, yeah. sort of like, so he was born to Alec Fleming Churchill, right, and his, his, his mother, Eleanor Elizabeth, right, so I think, that, I think they're from quite um, good family, let's yeah, put it that way, you know what stock. I mean, it's that, it's that sort of the um, military stock people, mm-hmm. at those sorts of things So. Churchill was educated at King William's College on the Isle of Man, and he, he graduated from the Royal Military College at Sandhurst. Wow. So he's sort of like proper officer class yeah, type, yeah. You know what I mean? And he served in Burma, which wow. is a bit of a, quite, that's a bit of a forgotten war yeah, Burma, yeah. You know what I mean? But it was a tough old time of it. And he says you said to have enjoyed riding his motorbike while in Burma, Ooh, which is you know through the jungle. <laughs> so Churchill left the army in 1936, yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, and he worked as a newspaper editor in Nairobi in Kenya. And as a male model. Wow. Sexy. (laughs) So he used his archery and bagpipe talents to play a small role in the 1924 film The Thief of Baghdad. So he's a film star as well, then, right? And he also appeared in the 1938 film A Yank at Oxford. Now, I think that's referring to um, an American as opposed to <laughs> what goes on when the lights are out <laughs> as opposed to one off the wrist <laughs> get the biscuit boys <laughs> he took second place in the 1938 military piping competition at the Aldershot Tattoo right mm-hmm. and in 1939 he represented Great Britain at the World Archery Championship in Oslo wow so you were good with his boy weren't yeah. you sure so when the fr- when the war started right uh, he, he joined up again yeah. right because yeah, the guy's yeah. an absolute, he's, he's mad for it <laughs> yeah he loves a bit of <laughs> yeah? war so he resumed his commission after uh, Germany invaded Poland in 1939 and was assigned to the Manchester Regiment which was actually his old regiment now, yeah, sorry, yeah, you yeah. know. Uh, and he was sent to France in the British Expeditionary Force now a lot, a lot of people you might not know what that is but that's the first force that kind of went in to start thinking we're going to go in and beat the Hun yeah and they had to run off right quick Yeah, 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 yeah it it Dunkirk yeah, yeah. 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 exactly you know so in May 1940, Churchill and some of his men ambushed a German patrol near Lepinette, which is near Richburg and Pas And Churchill gave the signal to attack by raising his claymore. And for those who don't know, a claymore is a massive, fuck-off Scottish sword. <laughs> <laughs> He's just... In fact, let's have a quick look at a claymore. <laughs> cool. That could be a gun or something. Sounds like a gun, doesn't it? It does, does, does actually. That's a Claymore. Wow. So that's a a Claymore sword. And there's there's another thing called a Claymore. It's a thing called a Claymore mine. Yeah, I thought of some yeah. They use it widely in Vietnam and stuff. Yeah, that's what I know. And And the reason why it's called a Claymore mine is because it's a slightly arched mine. Imagine like a flat box. Yeah. Um, but with a, a, a TNT or, or a plastic explosive in there, but the box is slightly curved, it's like a curved box, uh-huh. but then on, on top of the TNT, uh, on top of the plastic explosive, it's just thousands of ball bearings. Uh. And it's called a Claymore because once it goes off, instead of something you step on it fires upwards, Yeah, it fires horizontally. And it sweeps people down like you've swept them down with a sword. Oh. That's where they just kinda of hacked down in, in a sweep from these things. And it <laughs> was called Just like, like the sword. Like oh, sword. Exactly. So
1: that's what he was wielding on the battlefield. It looks like you need both hands for that. He just picks it up with one hand and go on. Oh, and man. he just goes for it. Yeah, I mean the man's absolutely rock
0: hard. Absolutely rock hard, yeah. You'd
1: cack it though, yeah. wouldn't you? Seeing someone coming in, you know, you got machines I was thinking, look at him with sword, you, yeah. You kinda
0: of figure out what in your hand, wouldn't you? A common story as well is that Churchill killed a German with his longbow in this action. <laughs> uh, however, Churchill later did claim that his bows had been crushed by a lorry earlier in the campaign. But he's still not too not too mm-hmm. sure, you know what I mean? So, but, um, but after fighting in Dunkirk, uh, that's when he volunteered for the Commandos. Wow, now, I, that's the dude you wanted a yeah, Commando unit. Well, I, well, I don't know if you know much about the Commando unit, really. Though, for a lot of the actions. It's disputed but they were trained almost like suicide troops yeah they, they knew a lot of the actions they were going into they will not be coming out of wow. there's no way Shit. there was a, on, again just top of the dome uh, the first one of the first main actions they took well I think it was taking a, a port up in like the Scandinavian countries somewhere you right. know and um, they knew that there was it was only one way in that was all it was what no way them. out and they would just basically so sort of take down as much as you can. Just blow oh, up as much wow. as you can and just keep going and going and going and they did. God. And he's just, you know, he's absolutely Some folks are
1: like you know, for thrill and stuff, they're like nutters. Well proud. that's what Mad Jack's like. Yeah. This is yeah. What, this
0: is this guy absolutely yeah. all round, right? But he comes up. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of guy he is, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's, he's, he's like he's like what's he- <laughs> He's like Brian Blessed in *Blackadder*. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's just like like a small fruit knife. (laughs) (laughs) So, German was second in command of a number three commando in Operation Archery, a raid on the German garrison at Vagsoy in Norway on 27 December 1941. As the ramps fell on the first landing craft. He leapt forward from his position, playing "March of the Cameron Men" on his bagpipes, oh, before throwing a grenade and charging into battle. <laughs> Whoa, that's a heavy dude, isn't it? And for his actions in Dunkirk and Vaz- Vagsoy, <laughs> Churchill received the Military Cross and bar. And this is his first setback. This is only 1941. Oh, Christ! So next comes Italy, 1943, the Allied invasion of Sicily. So in 1943, as commanding officer, he led 2nd Commando from this landing site at Catania in Sicily with his trademark Scottish broadsword slung around his waist, a longbow and arrows around his neck, and his bagpipes under his arm, which he also did in the landings at Salerno. So leading 2nd Commando, Churchill was ordered to capture a German observation post outside of the town of Molina, controlling a pass leading down to the Salerno beachhead. With the help of a corporal, he infiltrated the town and captured the post, just the two of them, taking 42 prisoners, including a mortar squad. Churchill led the men and prisoners back down the pass, with the wounded being carried on carts pushed by German prisoners. He commented that it was an image from the Napoleonic Wars, and he received the Distinguished Service Order for leading this action in Salerno. Churchill later walked back to the town to retrieve his sword, oh my which he had God. lost in hand-to-hand combat with the German regiments. Oh, what a
1: fuck. Wait, he's doing this, just the only two of them, and he's yes. got a bow, a sword, and a bagpipe, yes. and he's just knacking everybody. He's just knocking everyone. God.
0: On his way there, he encountered a disorientated American patrol mistakenly walking towards enemy lines. When the NCO in command of the patrol refused to turn around, Churchill told them that he was going his own way and they wouldn't be coming back for a bloody third time. (laughs) God. So in Yugoslavia in 1944, as part of McLean Mission, he led the commandos in Yugoslavia, where they supported uh, Josip Broz Tito's partisans. Right, so there was like, um, because they're already kind of... Yeah, so, yeah. they had all the partisans. So, basically, you're in the hottest hot spot of the yeah. war there, you know what I mean? From the Adriatic island of this In May, he was ordered to raid the German held island of Brac. He organized a motley army of 1,500 partisans, 43 commando, and one troop from 40 commando for the raid. So, basically, you got 1,500 <laughs> just sort of ordinary folks and 44 commandos. The landing was unopposed. But on seeing the gun emplacement, from which they later encountered German fire, the partisans decided to defer the attack until the following day. So they thought, right, there's a massive sort of gun placement up there, you know what I mean? We've yeah. got to be careful, we're going to get totally wiped out of yeah, here. Let's think about this, yeah, one, but- That's <laughs> exactly right. So that Churchill's bagpipes signalled the remaining commandos to battle. But after being strafed by RAF Spitfire, Churchill decided to withdraw for the night and relaunch the attack the following morning. So basically, he was, he was leading them into attack. Um, things were getting confused. Spitfire yeah. came down and strafed his commandos. Oh, got the wrong side. Yeah. So Threatly he was basically fire. going to attack all, the, all everything. with just 44 men. Jesus. He was ready so to roll. So all the ones were like, "Oh, let's think about <laughs> it." Like, "Nah, come on, boys, yeah, weird, come on, we're doing it." Come on, we're doing it? But until he got strafed by a Spit Spitfire, it was ready mm. to roll. The following morning. A flanking attack was launched by 43 Commando, with Churchill leading the elements from 40 Commando. The partisan remained at the landing area. So these guys, the one and a half thousand, they didn't shift, they oh bottled it, right? Only Churchill and six others managed to reach the objective. All the other commanders were wiped out. You
1: need to be behind Churchill. That's what I'll I be waiting on no beats and be directly behind
0: Churchill. Well, a mortar shell killed and wounded everyone then. Except Churchill <laughs> <laughs> who was playing oh, okay. Millionaire Comeback comeback Again on his bagpipes as the Germans advanced. Oh. And he was ready to rock and roll even with them. But then it, it he has was he got not a gun yet, has he still got a I, I think he has got guns yeah. as well, yeah, but he's a he's but then he was not he was knocked unconscious by grenades. Oh, that's all that it does to him, he just knocks knock him, him out. do else And he was captured out of a mistaken belief he had a direct relation to Winston Churchill. Ah. He was later flown to Berlin for interrogation and then transferred to Sackenhausen concentration camp. Ooh, is that a bad one? Yeah. Oh, shit. But someone
1: like him, they'd be trying to torture him and that. They wouldn't be doing fuck all, would they? (laughs) See
0: what happens. In September 1944... Churchill and a Royal Air Force officer, Bertram James, crawled under the wire (laughs) through an abandoned drain and attempted to walk to the Baltic coast, but they were captured near the German coast city of Rostock, a few kilometres from the sea. So close. So close. So then just a few months later, about six, six, seven months later, in April 1945, Churchill and about 140 other prominent concentration camp inmates were transferred to Tyrol guarded by SS troops Mm. a delegation of prisoners told senior German army officers they feared they would be executed Mm. a German army unit commanded by Captain Richard von Alvensleben moved in to protect the prisoners so outnumbered the SS guards moved out because what it is the SS weren't army Nah. they were they were they were like a specialist bodyguard unit so right. but the army uh, had uh, the the German army themselves right. uh, that actually did have quite a lot of honor to yeah, sort of say yeah. you know, you nah, know whatever, you're not but, yeah. fucking yeah. mowing them down in the woods yeah, yeah. SS were maniacs you yeah. know so they left the prisoners behind and the prisoners were released and oh. after the Ger- departure of the Germans Churchill walked 150 kilometers on 93 miles to Verona in Italy where he met an American armoured unit.
1: What, from Germany to Italy?
0: Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> he, just, he just hoofed it, you know. <laughs> so this is Burma now, 1945, still in the oh war, Right. Christ. And as the Pacific War was still going on, Churchill was sent to Burma, where some of the largest land battles against Japan were being fought. Wow. But by the time Churchill reached India, Hiroshima and Nagasaki had been bombed. And the war ended. And Churchill was said to be unhappy with this sudden end of the oh war, Christ. saying... If it wasn't for those damn Yanks, we could have kept the war going another ten years! <gasps> oh, what, what's up with him? He's a psychopath, oh, isn't he? Oh my god, what his body count is? What is he doing in? Well, this is the thing, you know... He's, he, so, he couldn't kind of stay away from war in a weird way. So after the Second World War in British Palestine, Churchill qualified as a parachutist and transferred to the Seaforth Highlanders. He was soon posted to Mandatory Palestine as Executive Officer of the 1st Battalion, the Highland Light Infantry. Now this was a bit of a hotbed area as Palestine because yeah. this, is, this is this is just before the birth of Israel yeah. as a state. There was a massive amount of aggravation with the uh, Arab states and stuff like yeah, this. Yeah. You know,
1: I didn't know Britain Britain had a slice of pie. You yeah, know you it's, it's absolutely sort a of slice of everything. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: well that's it. We're, we're in everything. It was absolutely bloody appalling the things we were, we were involved with. You know, I mean, it's like people talk about Israel now and it's you know fair play and everything, but it's, they mm-hmm. had to move nine hundred thousand Palestinians out. Of that land mm. to make it, which you know it's gonna be trouble. It's <laughs> gonna be trouble, you said it. In the spring of 1948, just before the end of the British mandate in the region, he became involved in another conflict. Along with twelve of his soldiers, he attempted to assist the Hadassah medical convoy that came under attack by Arab forces. So the British mm. troops in this time were actually just almost like a peacekeeping force, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Churchill was one of the first men on the scene and banged on a bus, offering to evacuate members of the convoy in an armed personnel carrier, in contradiction to the British military orders to keep out of the fight. His offer was refused in the belief that the Jewish Haganah would come to their aid in an organised rescue. No relief arrived. Oh Churchill and his 12 men provided covering fire against the Arab forces, but two of the convoy trucks caught fire. And 77 of the 79 people inside were killed. And the event is known today as the Hadassah Medical Convoy Massacre. Of the experience, he said, "About 150 insurgents, armed with weapons varying from blunderbusses and old flintlocks to modern Sten and Bren guns, took cover behind a cactus patch in the grounds of the American Colony. I went out and faced them." <laughs> About 250 riflemen were on the edge of our property shooting at the convoy. I begged them to desist from using the grounds of the American colony for such a dastardly purpose. After the massacre, he coordinated the evacuation of 700 Jewish doctors, students and patients from the Hadassah Hospital on the Hebrew University campus on Mount Scopus in Jerusalem where the convoy had been headed and in his honour, the street leading to the hospital was named Churchill Boulevard. Oh,
1: God. How do, some people just don't die, do they? They just, they like got
0: some blessed kind of important. But no, you, you were right. Some people mm. just, we well, could call it a blessed life in a way. Mm. But I think as well, they've just been damn lucky, are not they, yeah, you know, in some yeah. ways. It but in 1952, Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer produced the film Ivanhoe, shot in Britain, Featuring Churchill's old rowing companion, Robert Taylor. And the studio hired Churchill to appear as an archer, shooting from the walls of Warwick Castle. <laughs> and in later years, Churchill served as an instructor at the Land Air Warfare School in Australia, where he became a passionate devotee of... The surfboard! Oh,
1: cool! <laughs> you need to go <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, that's crazy. And back in Britain, he was the first man to ride the River Severn's five-foot tidal bore. And designed his own board. So I don't know if you all know what. It is, yeah, it, I've seen, seen it. it and
1: he just got—it's like it, it happens. A wave,
0: and it just goes on for you do, do, like go miles. Yeah. So First mile that What surfed. How old you? Uh, do You know, I don't know what time he is now. But um, he—he he, he, was in, he in like a desk job at this time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So basically, he I've became like it. a civil servant, you know. <laughs> which is—he would be a bit disappointed, but you know, I mean, he's a spicy old guy, you know. Christ. So it, after his retirement in 1959 to 1996. Right, what? Churchill retired from the army then, and in retirement, his eccentricity continued. <laughs> he startled train conductors and passengers by throwing his briefcase out of the window each day on the ride home. <laughs> <laughs> he later explained that he was tossing his case into his own back garden so he would not have to carry it from the station. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of money in <laughs> case <laughs> he also well that's he he's into his own garden, so he uh, took his own garden they were um, it in oh my god that's <laughs> it <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> and he also enjoyed sailing coal fired ships on the Thames you know those little radio control little yeah, ships yeah. and stuff that was his little thing that's that's how he sort of lived out his oh, days oh that is stuff, you know what I mean and in in, in March 24 because he, he died in 1996 aged 89 wow we've seen all the action meat, you know yeah. So in March twenty fourteen the Royal Norwegian Explorers Club published a book that featured Churchill, naming him as one of the finest explorers and adventurers of all time. Wow, that is such a good story. Tell you what, I can't help thinking it,
1: you know, if you said to write right, don't smash all my teeth out or kill me but having a bit of a go you know what I mean just, just to see how he knocks me out you know what I mean
0: he just well, it, it physically it, it I imagine he's a bit like Roger Moore yeah I because bet. that's what yeah. they always said about Roger was they said he had the hardest punch of oh, any man didn't they? It? it's
1: like the one with the fight with Lee Marvin isn't it? he yeah. like he's an hard bugger wasn't he yeah. uh, ex-sniper wasn't he on that island the only oh, man to get was, off that Japanese yeah. island alive and yeah. he just got these ass kicked by Roger Moore yeah Can you imagine that yeah <laughs> no I bet smudge. you're right proper
0: <laughs> bit like an <laughs> half brick in a sock catching under Joe wasn't it <laughs> I bet. So yeah, you you won't be messing with yeah, Jack uh, yeah. Churchill. I It'd mean, be... the guy was, he could win the war on his own. He <laughs> <It> sounds like <laughs> it. Wow, bless him. <laughs> are real heroics you know what I mean I and mean, that's like you know he's got a staying power he's got the tenacity <laughs> you know what I mean but there's somebody else really I'd still say he's a bit of a hero here I think Ooh. right because so here's the man who's probably been in more movies than any other actor in Hollywood history
1: can I guess it name Gone. I'd say Rip Torn. do you know that is a really good
0: guess uh, it really uh... <laughs> is a good guess but you'll be wrong oh this is a guy called James Hong James Hong. James Hong. Right? Now, me, me and Ben would just have a little bit of a chat earlier on, right? And then just join and join because we like a bit of the old vintage movies and yeah, stuff. Yeah, all of my classics. Uh, and what was the movie we were talking about? Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. And what was the guy you were saying on it? Oh, Lopan. Yeah. go
1: with green eyes! <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's that a ra- was James Hong.
1: Oh, right. Right? Oh, I tell you what, you're right with that. I do. He's one of them blokes. I look at him and think, I know you from other films and he was quite old in that film. Oh, he was looking old. Oh, the disguise could He's be. still in films now. Wow, (laughs) shit, and
0: that way, 80s were big trouble. This is it, this is it. So, he spoke Mandarin with Keanu Reeves in the day the earth stood still. Mm. He backflipped his way out of a fight in Wayne's World (laughs) 2. He was the supportive, noodle-loving Mr. Ping in Kung Fu Panda. Ah. He was the maitre d' in the episode of Seinfeld titled The Chinese Restaurant. And without exaggeration, Hong might be the most prolific actor in Hollywood history. Now, if you think of just lists of credits, numbers, you know, you're gonna have a finite amount of numbers in your life. What do you think he, how many films could he have been in? Man, (laughs) because
1: if you think about it, if he's done, over 66 movies I think that is just bizarre You know what I mean Because that is a hell of a lot yeah, of films Yeah, that's a lot of films And it's, you've got to look at it Like a year You know what yeah. I mean It's like how long You've been in the game How many how many movies You're doing a year Cause a movie is How do you fit them all in Yeah, yeah exactly They're a long haul with more than
0: 600 credits to his Oh, name. wow. <laughs> he may lay claim to the most credits of any actor. He has. He hands. has. Yeah. It's got to be. How the hell has he fitted that in? Yeah. What a pro. What an absolute pro. Hung's path to stardom started, as many do, as a child practising in front of a mirror. But he kept his acting aspirations from his parents. I'm not going to do the voice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know... Chinese parents want you to do some professional jobs rather than be an actor, Hong says. Being an actor is like the last rung in the ladder of professions. They don't even call it a profession because it's shameful to demonstrate your feelings in front of an audience. You were taught to be kind of quiet and keep to yourself. Still, he received some of his favorite acting inspiration from his father's herb shop in Minnesota. He recalls all the laundry men from minneapolis had nothing to do on weekends so they would gather at my father's herb store i remember that because we'd have all these little wooden stools and they'd all gather there and they hired these chinese opera people from san francisco to come along and do their thing and he was only a little boy and he said he'd watch them with wide eyes and just think wow Mm -hmm. that's a profession yeah yeah you know oh that's it To please his parents, Hong graduated from the University of Southern California with a degree in civil engineering. Wow. So he's a smart guy, smart guy. And while working for Los Angeles County, building roads, he continued to try and find work as an actor and comedian. His big break came on a TV show called You Bet Your Life, hosted by Groucho Marx. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So I did an impersonation of Groucho, James Cagney and so forth, Hong said. But his appearance was a massive hit. Yeah. I got the second biggest fan mail ever on the Groucho <laughs> Mark show. Oh. The TV appearance landed him an agent, and with it, the start of a career in Hollywood. All of a sudden they wanted me to be in a movie, Hong said. And that movie was Soldier of Fortune, a 1955 film starring Clark Gable. Wow. So he's straight into the big time yeah, there, you yeah. know what I mean? It was just some kind of experience I never forgot to act with Clark Gable. <sighs> Then, right after I got my union card and started one after another, I had quit civil engineering, Hong says. And soon enough, he was acting alongside the likes of John Wayne, William Holden, and Jennifer Jones. And he says, From then on, it was 10 movies or TV shows a year. God, that. Those earlier roles, though were limiting to say the least. Mm, that's a problem with it, isn't it? Yeah. He's always got he's never the
1: star, he's always the background kinda
0: Well that's a thing, you yeah. know what I mean? And it's sort of so Hong says, Asians were put into a movie or T V mainly as a gimmick. We were never thought of as playing the main roles, the leaning people. But that's just the way it was. Hong began his career during an era of flagrant yellow face in Hollywood, mm. where white actors would routinely play Asian characters. Marlon Brando played an Okinawan local in the tea house of the August moon. Mickey Rooney oh, played no. the buck tooth, Yeah. That Mickey Rooney, that is uh, bad, bad. They yeah. should have known it at that age. They should have known that. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was Mickey Rooney played the bucktoothed Mr. Yunioshi in Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> and John Wayne played the mungle emperor Genghis Khan in what? The Coat. Oh, cobra. oh <laughs> God. Oh, oh, oh no. Glad I have not seen that. Yeah. Even in The New Adventures of Charlie Chan, a crime TV series in which Hong played a supporting role, Irish-American actor J. Carol Naish played the lead as a Chinese-American detective. Hong says, Any other movie that demanded an Asian lead most of the time was played by Caucasian actors with their eyes taped up and their little teeth. So they put on... I ended up in the early career mostly playing laundry men or persecuted Chinamen. It was tough, very tough, to get out of that mold. But Hong didn't let Hollywood's narrow lens limit his abilities. I did the best as an actor to overcome the clicheness because I had to in order to keep working. I took those roles and then I used what my teachers had taught me and put in real feeling, even if it's a villain. I tried to find what makes the person really that person. So to name just a few of his little sort of his parts and stuff like that, he was in uh, he was in Big Trouble in Little China, big role in that one. Yes, one was yeah. good actually, like good yeah, good size of movie for him. As I mentioned before, Kung Fu Panda, um, he was in Mulan, Blade Runner. And that's oh, one of my favorite roles, Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the replicant eye maker. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm so cold. Yeah. Oh, just. That old, oh, God, yeah. Such a good film. Such a good film. I just want to watch it now. Country <laughs> Panda 2. Balls of Fury. I don't know what that is. I ain't seen it. I know what it is. Like yeah. some spoofy ping pong thing or something. Yeah. So, yeah, Windswell 2, we mentioned before. Chinatown. I've never seen it. Oh, I mate. It's I'm good. Not. I've got it on DVD. Oh, sweet. Do you want It'll be Easy. Give a little play later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was in an airplane. Remember a minute, but isn't it? I can't remember a minute. Um, Golden Child. That's that was that a famous movie. Um, that's a little a few more sorts of thing. Tango and Cash. <laughs> <laughs> the day the Earth stood still. Revenge of the Nerds. Let's um, have a look. Kid. Oh, there's a lot of like. There's a lot of uh, kung fu movies. It looks mm. like he was in quite a few. That sort of like Bloodsport. Oh. <laughs> they just go on and on and on. It looks like though. I mean, Scooby Doo. Yeah, I don't think It, it don't like it was too too fussy about yeah. the jobs it was a job for him wasn't yeah it, really, he just you know what worked I mean?
1: his craft like yeah, like he exactly. said he put his soul into it if you ever thought about it
0: yeah but then again I think that, that shows in the movies that he did you Yeah, know, because yeah. He, he did no matter what the role was even you might see it as a schmaltzy one you know yeah. Um he put everything he, he had into it, and I think yeah. that's, that's to be commended. Really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm oh, very impressed bless him, good on. He's still he's still going. He's still going now. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's an older chap now, obviously, but he's still going. Looked after himself. Yeah. You know, ninety-one years old now. Wow. Yeah, so he's doing okay. Yeah. But you know, I'd like to raise a glass to James Hong yeah, because definitely. without him, I think a lot of our favourite films had certainly lacked some depth. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Really, hugely. Right, well, it's getting a little bit late now, our huh, kid. We're going to have to go out there soon and tackle them bloody Triffids, aren't we? Aye, i created them. You, you can keep one. Yeah. I'll let you keep one. <laughs> we we'll have to remove it. its stinger and stuff like that, you <laughs> know what I mean? But, you know, it's, I think we're going to have to be... Uh, but we're going to have to... It's not going to be an easy task, will it? I you? think that
1: holds him down with seawater. That's what happens in the Is that how it yeah, works? Yeah, yeah. And
0: that ended the light hand, yeah. funnily enough. Yeah, well, he does, doesn't he? Yeah. He? That's, that's, that's true, is that? But, um... We're going to have to be tenacious, we're going to have to be strong, mm. hold mm. it together, that kind of thing. Aye. And one of my heroes for this is uh, is a guy called Cliff Young. Have you uh, heard of Cliff Young? Cliff Young? I can't say, i have no. No. Well, Cliff Young was born the eldest son and the third of seven children of Mary and Albert Ernest Young on 8th of February 1922. And he grew up on a farm in Beech Forest in southwestern Victoria in Australia. So it's a big old farm, right, but what they predominantly grew, they had, had sheep on there, Lovely. and potatoes and stuff like this, right. So in 1983, so this was quite a bit later on, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean, he was a busy, he's been a busy lad working all that sort <laughs> of malarkey. In 1983, the Westfield Sydney to Melbourne Ultramarathon was taking place, <laughs> right, and at a distance, I kid you not here, 544 mile long race oh. it was 8 or 875 kilometres and the race was run between what was then Australia's two largest Westfield shopping centres Westfield Parramatta in Sydney and Westfield Doncaster in Melbourne. Now the people taking part in this were predominantly the supreme athletes yeah, of the yeah. time I mean we're to- when we're talking supreme these were people who had to be more than in their prime. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, Plus, it's those, you know a bit when you you're not a sprinter, you're a long distance running out. You know he's like a specialised kind of.
0: Most most people in this were under
1: the age of thirty. Right.
0: right. Yeah. Under the age of thirty, they had support, they had a uh, sponsorship. Yeah. It was one of those things. It was actually a really big deal because the ultra marathon events at that time weren't as big as they are now. Yeah, These were yeah. sort of insane events, <laughs> you know. You. And then Cliff Young turns up, and he's wearing his overalls and Wellingtons. <laughs> what wellies? How what? old's this kid now? Right, this guy when he turned up there, he's
1: 61 year old. <gasps> In overalls and a the wellhead, these cap. Still, well, I mean. they, they
0: call it work boots, but they reckon it could have been gum boots, could have been Wellington boots. But basically, he's in his work Shh. boots and overalls, he's in his work clobber, right? Oh my god. And first of all, when he turns up, they sort of turn around and saying, Sorry, mate, you know, competitors over here and spectators <laughs> yeah. over there. And he says, Oh, I've turned up, I've poured in the rice. Yeah. Right? And he's, he says he's going to go for it, right? <laughs> right. And he, arrived, he didn't have his teeth in, there's no teeth in his head. <laughs> This is because he don't like his. his um, he's having his teeth in because he said the rattle when he ran. <laughs> right. So anyway, because he, he filled out all the forms and everything like that, they thought was going on. So he thought they said right, but because of course then he, he sort of gained a bit of press. Yeah. You know what I mean, they all liked it, you know. So they said, "Yeah, yeah come on, mate, you can line it's up." It's like with someone going
1: in a costume nowadays, isn't it? A yeah. London Marathon. Yeah, that's it. That, that, he's not yeah.
0: going in a suit of armor or something. So, yeah. so they all lined up to all the competitors, right? The the starting pistol went off and off the wall went right. So these guys went off a cracking pace, right? And Old Cliff Young just starts shuffling off, right? <laughs> <And he's laughs> just, uh, they've immediately left him in the dust. Oh, my. shuffling you
1: all know. like just well, It's little like a job. weird
0: shuffling little run that he does. not little sort of shuffling, <laughs> like sort of like. Uh, and it does look funny, just a yeah. guy in overalls and gumboots sort of shuffling <laughs> out. Know, yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, oh my god, yeah, this is all, but yeah. I mean, he was literally last man within the first four metres. Oh, Following me in the car and picking yeah. what you ain't going, yeah. Well, I, I think a lot of this is actually going To be a little bit off road as well, it's as in uh, it's, like, it's yeah. like trails and stuff, wow. so it's quite spectacular because it's you know it's not just on tarmac, yeah. and off he goes after them, you know. And then, um, but what happens is the way they work is um, the way the races go, the race for 18 hours, run, these guys run for 18 hours Jesus. and sleep for six, then they get up and the race for another 18 hours and sleep for six, right? So, what happened was they did that, they got that, you know, and um, as they got up in the morning cliff had overtaken them he hadn't slept cliff young had run through the night and is that allowed it's up to them are you right, R- right. run your race yeah, yeah, it's, just... it's just their choices yeah. so then these young guys all got got themselves ready and set off and of course overtook cliff again didn't they yeah, you know what yeah. i mean but it took them a while to catch him <laughs> right that night they all had to go to bed again right cliff had left him for dust <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, shuffling so they all off. had to run like
0: fuck again to catch up with Cliff, oh, right, and overtake yeah, him again, man. right, before it's bedtime on the third night. So this basically took five nights to do this, right? And Cliff didn't sleep oh, for no. five days. Oh, he just kept up with a constant, same shuffling run. That Forrest Gump, isn't it? You know before I mean? eventually winning by oh, ten hours. Ten <laughs> hours.
1: <laughs> oh my. God, how do you not
0: sleep for five days and, well what he said was he said afterwards that during the race he imagined he was running after sheep trying to outrun a storm because on his farm what he had to do he had to round up the sheep
2: oh. but these
0: places the the, the the farm he had was something like well, 2,000 acres yeah. so he had to run for all these fields to find all his sheep That's and gather God. them all up you know what I mean So before the race he actually said that he told Press that he'd previously run for two to three days straight non-stop just in Wellies before. So he had done it before. And this is like I said, just in Fields. Yeah. yeah. You know? So the Westfield run took him five days, 15 hours and four minutes. So breaking the record as well. (laughs) Almost two days two days faster than the previous record for any run between Sydney and Melbourne. At an average speed of 6.5 kilometres per hour, which is only four miles per hour, but that's constant, non-stop, never giving in. All six competitors who finished the race broke the old record. Upon being awarded the prize of Australian dollars $10,000, which is the equivalent of $32,000 now, right? (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Young said that he didn't know there was a prize (laughs) 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 and that he felt bad accepting it as each of the other five runners who finished had worked as hard as he did oh bless him so he split the oh. money equally between them and kept oh, none
1: oh god we need to be more like this dude oh yeah. what an innocent I wonder why he did it he just thought god I could do that because yeah. I, I do it for
0: you know for a job anyway This is I not- think he just sort of spat in his hands gave him a rub and yeah. says oh give it a go so it Young became very popular after this tortoise and hare feat. (laughs) So much so that in Coalack, Victoria, the Cliff Young Australian six-day race was established that same year. (laughs) And he was awarded the Medal of the Order of Australia for long distance running. God, he should have done that some dude. But despite the attempt in the event again in later years, Young was unable to repeat this performance or claim victory again. So in 1997, at the age of 76, he made an attempt to beat Ron Grant's Round Australia record.
1: 76?
0: He, oh my. He completed Oh my god. 6,520 kilometers of the 16,000 kilometre run. Oh my. God. But he had to pull out because his only crew member became ill. So it was someone else. <laughs> yeah, it's
2: someone else.
0: Oh, what an hard nutter. Wow. Absolutely amazing. Young was, uh, so Cliff Young was a vegetarian from 1973 until his death He lived at the family home with his mother and brother, Sid Young had remained single throughout his life but after the 1983 race at 62 years of age he married 23 year old Mary yeah. Howell <laughs> One, Cliff. The race sponsor, the Westfield Shopping Centre hosted the wedding for the entertainment of shoppers <laughs> but Young and Howell divorced five years later. Renowned for his ungainly running style, Jung ran more than 20,000 kilometres during his competitive career, and after five years of illness and several strokes, he died of cancer, age of 81, in his home in Queensland, a memorial in the shape of a gumboot in the beach <laughs> forest, <laughs> he's dedicated to Young and Cliff Young Drive and Cliff Young Park there are named after him. But the Young Shuffle has been adopted by some ultramarathon runners because it expends less energy. Wow. At least three winners of the Sydney to Melbourne race were known to use the Young Shuffle to win the race in 2010. <laughs> Yeah.
1: So it's like he's got a weird signs to it. And I bet he even made that up just because he was doing it so much catching the sheep that he had to, to survive and it could, like naturally absolutely you know, like evolved into that style.
0: That's how Cliff Young got about. No. That's the way he did it. And I, I for one salute him slow and steady
1: I mean I, I just love them people do it their own way. You know, everybody's doing it one way and he just turns yeah. around and does it his own way. Guys, I'm so like, maverick. Oh, yeah, you know I mean. stuff like that. Yeah. Hero. What hero, a hero. Cliff
0: Young. Big, big fan of Cliff Young. Mm. And I want to see, I want to see that gunboat, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I want to see Shuffle as well. I wonder if there's any like video. <laughs> there is, on, yeah. is there? Well, there's actually, there is even a movie called, a telly movie called Cliffy. Oh, that's sweet So that'd be worth a watch Wouldn't yeah, it, you know what I mean i a quite fancy the look of that But <laughs> yeah, there we are Cliff Young I'm a bit of an admirer, man <laughs> Oh, good tales, man. good tales Right, well that's enough casting, kid I think oh. it's time to get out Our chainsaws and baboons yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Released to baboons Released Didn't the it. baboons Didn't have it sorted in no time But grounds maintenance <laughs> But before that, right, here we go. What have I got over here, right? I've got this ladle, and um, a, 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 well, I've got a peeler here. I've got a peeler, <laughs> right? I'll get all spiked. Uh, you get all spiked <laughs> with salty water, right? And I'm about to open this door. So before we do, well, just about time for us to say goodbye from Kraken Cove. Maybe for the last time. Yeah, maybe go for others. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see best soon. To, we'll do our best to come back next week. <laughs> so it's a big bye from me,
1: Matt. And a big Benny goodbye from Benny. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> right, I'll open this door then go 2 three. Ah!